The peace of Christ be with you. If you've ever wondered why I invite us to take three deep breaths at the beginning of the service, it's simply to illustrate that in three simple breaths, we can expand our awareness to recognize the living presence of God among us. So let's do that now, that you might do it at other times throughout your day. And now let us worship in beloved community.
Good morning, and whether you're watching us live now on Facebook or YouTube, joining us on a podcast later on, welcome. And a special welcome to any of you who found us recently uh, through the means of these broadcasts, where it's a pleasure to worship with you virtually. We're looking forward to possibly worshiping with you in person soon. Would you join me in our community prayer? Gracious God, you have blessed us with numerous gifts, and you have blessed us with the ability to grow into them. You have given us the room to learn to use our power to build up or to exploit and hoard for our own advantage. There are many times when we are not aware of our capacities. Having been told by others we are worthless, or simply not recognizing the potential within us. There are times when we seem to be in a walking slumber, unaware of what is truly going on around us and within us. Wake us up. Startle us to alertness. Plant in us a desire for clarity and for maturity that we might continually grow into the creation you made us to be. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad, mountaintop and valley deep. Your footsteps are our guide, your hands are our support. We trust in your forgiveness that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We have knocked and are grateful that you open the door. Open our minds and hearts to receive your spirit and the good news of Jesus Christ. May this time together cause us to love you, and especially to love one another. Amen. This is the third Sunday of the month, which means it is Birthday Blessing Sunday. If you have a birthday in November, happy birthday. I can't help but think about Thanksgiving during the month of November, and I really try to be grateful all year long. I really try to be grateful all month long and not have it be just one day where I am giving thanks. And so I want to share this poem with you. It's titled Thanksgiving. and It's by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. We walk on starry fields of white and do not see the daisies. For blessings common in our sight, we rarely offer praises. We sigh for some supreme delight to crown our lives with splendor and quite ignore our daily store of pleasures sweet and tender. We ought to make the moments notes of happy, glad thanksgiving, the hours and days a silent praise of music we are living. And so the theme should swell and grow as weeks and months pass o'er us and rise sublime at this good time, a grand Thanksgiving chorus. I do hope that not only on your birthday, but perhaps throughout this entire upcoming year, 
that you will find moments of gratitude. The big moments for sure, but also the small moments, the daily blessings that fill our lives. May we be grateful. Happy birthday to you. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. So for our time of discovery this morning, I was looking over and thinking about the Bible verse that we are looking at in our Sunday school lesson today, and it talks about seeing God. Now that may seem a little difficult. How do you see God? But in fact, I think seeing God may be very closely related to the birthday blessing I just offered. And it makes me wonder, how might we see God? in each and every moment in our lives? How might we see God in the ordinary things that are around us? You know, I'm here in our sanctuary and I see God all over the place. Right over there is our baptismal font. You know, we use it any time we baptize someone and it reminds me of the promises that we make at baptism, especially when we baptize a little baby that we, the church community, will help that baby to learn about God's love. So I definitely see God in the presence of the one being baptized, in the presence of our church community, promising to help each other know God. You know, I look out in front of me and I see all the pews, and I think about when our congregation has sat in those pews before, and very soon we'll sit in them again, and I definitely see God in all of your faces. And I can imagine all of you sitting out there in those pews. And finally, I look over to this side of me and I see the piano and I see the choir loft and oh my goodness, do I see God, do I hear God in music? One of my most favorite ways to pray is by singing. So just by looking around here in this room, so many different ways to see God. So I encourage you this week to do that. Look around, maybe use more senses than just seeing. How might you not only see God, but hear God, touch God, taste God, sense God? Because truly God is with us, just waiting to be seen. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Amen. We are now going to see our last two Christmas Fair videos. One uh, about ALS, which our Spiritual Life Commission is sponsoring. Look closely in that video. You may see some cameos by our own Bob Miller. And then the final video from our youth programs. So I do appreciate the many ways that you are supporting all of the organizations that are a part of the Christmas Fair. If you would like more information about the Christmas Fair, simply go to our website, wpctiburon.org, and there's all kinds of information there.
It all started with one person and an idea. And then it grew into another. And then another. And 15 years later, we have grown into thousands. United with a single vision to create a world without ALS. Working together, we have built a community committed to fund scientific discovery, to provide compassionate care and support, to inspire others to action, and to empower people affected by ALS to live their lives to the fullest. We have made progress, but there is still so much more to do. We are ready to challenge ALS and we will never give up. Join us and support the search for effective treatments and cures for ALS. Mission trips at Westminster are of course about service, but they're also all about relationships. You see, throughout the year, our adult leaders are building relationships with teenagers, not just in our youth group, but in our community at large. You see us sometimes at concerts at MVMS, plays at Branson, wrestling matches at Novato High, track meets at TAM. We spend time with teenagers at bonfires and food banks, at Starbucks, and even sailing. But every year we get the gift of an uninterrupted week with these incredible young people without the distractions of technology. We spend that week deepening relationships with them in the context of our faith through service. And we go to Santa Cruz and San Diego every year. The reason we go every year is it allows us to build even more trust in the communities and the people we serve, which gives our youth the gift of deepening their relationships with those they serve and allows the people we serve to have an even greater effect on us. I've been going on this trip for three years. Um, and the family that we see there, because for the first two years, they were living in the parking lot outside of uh, New Life Church where we stayed. And now when we went back this year, they were finally in their own home. And for me, that just shows that we have the ability as our group to, as our people, to move towards these sort of goals and to bring people out of homelessness. It's not like an impossible thing that can't happen. And it's really cool to have that personal relationship and be able to see people that actually came out of having homelessness and those sort of issues. And it's, I've never seen that happen because usually with homeless shelters and helping out, you don't see the families that eventually make it out, you just see the families that are there. So being able to see a family that was able to move out was amazing. This is just one of the stories we could share with you. And as you can see all around me, it's hard to even describe for you all the different things that our youth are doing in these communities. Some work with at-risk children, others work with the elderly, many of whom are suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia. Some are serving lunches to roughly 100 people a day in Santa Cruz, roughly 1,000 people a day in San Diego. We're performing acts of environmental justice, working with the Parks Department or, with the, or at an organic community farm that is actually run by people suffering from homelessness. We're advocating for human rights, for refugee and immigrant rights. 
there's so many things this youth group is doing in these communities. And we're doing it based on the relationships that our leaders are building with our young people. And our youth are doing it based on the relationships they're developing with the people in need in these communities. And we are all doing it thanks to your help to help nurture the most meaningful relationship of all, and that's their relationship with Jesus Christ. So whatever you can give, thank you. It is certainly a joy to see all the wonderful work that some people here in Westminster are involved in and to get a taste of what they're doing. Of course, it is also a concern to see the needs of this community, uh, whether it be ALS or those suffering in Santa Cruz or San Diego, um, gratitude to those who've helped us with this alternative Christmas fair. Uh, as we enter our time of joys and concerns, excuse me, uh, I would like to personally lift up a joy on behalf of my family. Sergeant Jay Shankle, my brother, uh, just retired uh, a week and a half ago from the United States Army after 25 years of service. So obviously uh, our family, all of his friends are happy that he is home with his family for good now and, and safe. And so Jay, if you're watching, thank you for your service. Um, if there are any other joys or concerns, please write them into the comment boxes. Uh, of course, if you're watching this even at a later date, feel free to write in and uh, join us in a moment of prayerful solidarity, uh, writing in any joys and concerns. You might be surprised at who sees that later on. Uh, but let's join us. Uh, let's join in prayer. God, we certainly celebrate all these things that bring us joy, bring us hope, bring us peace, fulfill us with love. God, lift those things up in our hearts and may we share in those blessings together. God, and we also think about and pray about those who are suffering in our midst, uh, those who are close to us, those who are far away. God, we pray that your spirit would be with them and by effect, we would be with them, embodying your Son, Christ, in their moments of need. And finally, God, may we join together in prayer in the way that your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hello, Westminster. I am here with my friend Dash. Good to be singing Good with to you see today. You again. So much fun. We're going to sing a song called A Thousand Tongues. It's based on the old Charles Wesley hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, but we've got a little more contemporary take on it today. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of God's grace. 
A thousand songs are not enough to say how great you are. The glories of your majesty, the triumphs of your love. Awake my soul to sing the glories of my God and King. Arise and praise the one worthy of the songs of a thousand tongues. power of all our sin. You set the captive free. You make the broken heart rejoice. New life the dead receive. Awake my soul to sing the glory of my God and King. Arise and praise the of the songs of a thousand tongues forever you are forever you are worthy forever you Before our scripture reading, a uh, word of caution. I don't know if you can hear it, but in the background there intermittently has been some construction noise. Turns out it's not even our construction, it's a neighbor, and so uh, waiting it out is not so promising. I hope it's not a distraction. But if this time hasn't been about adapting to things we can't control, then I don't know what it has been about. Our scripture reading comes from 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5, 1 to 11, listen for what the Spirit is saying. Now concerning the times and seasons, sisters and brothers, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And there will be no escape, but you, beloved, are not in darkness. For that day to surprise you like a thief for you are all children of light and children of the day, and we are not of the night, we're of darkness. So let us then not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. 
For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Do you ever wonder what the point of all of this is? Being part of the church or being on your own spiritual journey? Community, you might say, and that may be the most important thing of all. But what is the community supposed to be doing? What's the point? Or what is the individual doing by embarking on a spiritual journey? Well, let me tell you a story, or really a series of stories that may help. Now, it's a story about Jesus, but I would hazard a guess that you haven't heard it before. It's not in your Bibles. It's from a non-canonical gospel, the infancy gospel of Thomas. Now, the infancy gospel of Thomas has a number of stories about the young Jesus. And our gospels in the scriptures don't have many of those. We have a couple of birth stories, and we have one story of Jesus when he was 12, but that's about it. Infancy Gospel of Thomas provides us a number of other tales about the young Jesus. For example, when he was five, he gathered some water into a pool just by commanding it to be so, and likewise fashioned 12 sparrows, so the tale goes, out of mud, and then clapped and they came alive, flew away. Now, unfortunately, this was on the Sabbath. And there were rules about what you were to be doing on the Sabbath. And so when another child, who is a child of a scribe, an expert in the law, sees what Jesus is doing, he condemns him for it. And Jesus erupts in rage and tells him to wither up like a tree. And the boy withers. Another time, Jesus is bumped in the shoulder by uh, another young person running by. It's unclear to me whether there is intent or not. And Jesus strikes him dead on the spot with his words. Jesus had his power young, but he did not have the power to control it early. Things do shift for Jesus, however, Later, he's playing on the top level, really the roof of a home. And in ancient uh, homes, the, the roof was a living space. And the child falls off. And parents come running and accuse Jesus of this, perhaps. He's got a reputation by now. But Jesus uh, leaps down and says to the child, Arise and tell me, did I cast you down? And straight away, the child rose up and said, Nay, Lord, thou didn't cast me down, but you did raise me up. Early resurrection practice for Jesus. And when they saw it, the scripture says, this gospel says, they were amazed. Now you remember, amazement is often the response in the scriptures we accept in the, in the Bible. 
Amazement is always, is often a response that people have when God shows up in Jesus's activity. Later still, unrelated to Jesus's actions altogether, uh, a young uh, person, uh, man, chops wood and accidentally cuts his own foot with the axe. And Jesus, hearing this, bursts through the crowd and lays his hand on the wound and heals the man. And seeing it, people say, surely the Spirit of God dwells in this young child. Now, you may dismiss these stories as non-canonical. You may find them even scandalous on a level. You may say, well, they never happened. I don't know if they did, but I love them. I find them useful, and that may be one of the most important tests. Because look what we learn, look what we see reflected back to us about life. We see this young Jesus filled with power, but unable to control it or channel it into productive ways. He uses it for violence rather than for healing and restoration. Jesus grows up before our very eyes. And that, my friends, is a clue to what this is all about. Philosopher and religious thinker Ken Wilbur says this, as the wisdom holders, we need to help people find what's important to grow up by moving through the early stages of emotional maturing, clean up by doing shadow up, and I'll say more about that in a moment, wake up by doing spiritual practice, and show up by serving humanity in the world. Now, there's more than a sermon series in that one quote, but let me touch on two of those concepts briefly so that I can delve into the other two with a little more depth. When Wilbur speaks of cleaning up or shadowing up, he's referring to the Jungian psychology concept of the shadow side. The shadow side is that part of us that we're not really aware of, but uh, acts on us and affects us. And it's not necessarily negative, but given that it belongs to the space of unawareness, it can get us into trouble. Wilbur is advocating that we become more familiar with our shadow side and do any cleaning up that needs to be done, lest things come out sideways, because they will come out. Simple example, not perfect, but helpful, I think. You have a difficult day. Things go wrong, and it really sets you off. But you don't really do the kind of reflection or examination of how it makes you feel or the patterns maybe that feed into any cycles that took place. And so you come home, and what do you do? You take it out on those who are around you, loved ones, pets, that unattended to series of emotions inside you, those voices that need to be heard, that come out when they're not listened to. And people unaware of their shadow side don't know about and therefore can't even care about the kind of destruction that they're capable of. And we're all capable of it. But it's about becoming aware of it and cleaning up constantly around it. 
Now, Wilbur's call to show up is more straightforward, can be explained in a sentence. It's about serving humanity. The spiritual life without engagement is ultimately hollow, navel-gazing. Well, the two I want to focus a little more on today are growing up and waking up. These strange stories in the infancy gospel of Thomas are truly about Jesus growing up, learning what to do with his power. And at first, what you see him do is react impulsively like a child would and inflict harm on others to appease the impulses that come to him. To use neuropsychology uh, terms, he's acting out of his reptile brain, his reactionary mind. And that so often, well, it can spare us in some situations and gets us into trouble in others. The reptile brain is not a good way to go through the world. You know, I learned something about rattlesnakes this year. The most dangerous rattlesnakes, and I learned this because we had some in our yard and some in our neighborhood. The most dangerous rattlesnakes are the juveniles, not the fully grown ones. Why? Because they've yet to learn how to restrain from shooting all their venom when they bite. They haven't learned the art form of self-restraint. As Jesus grows and grows up, he learns not only how to restrain his power, but to channel it into healing and restorative ways rather than destructive ways. The tragedy of Christianity in many pockets is that it's content not to grow up. It's content to remain childish, not childlike, but childish. We wouldn't pull our own children out of school after kindergarten. Why would we allow our religious mind, religious patterns, thoughts, concepts, ideas, practices to be curtailed at a kindergarten level? We wouldn't want to stunt our spiritual growth evolution of our thought in other areas, why, do we, why would we do it with our spirituality? But whole movements have embraced that as a founding tenet. I mean, fundamentalism, among other things, is an avowed resistance to evolving, to growing, to changing, to learning. We must grow up in our faith, just as we must, must in other areas of our lives. But this shouldn't feel like a should. It should be received as good news. Do you know how many people come to me in angst because they feel as though they can't accept the Christian faith? But in reality, what they can't accept is a kindergarten Christian faith. Concepts and ideas and ways of understanding those concepts that haven't changed since they were children and they think they've failed because they can't hold on to those anymore. They haven't failed, they've been failed. My experience is many people have held on to the wrong things in the Christian faith as essential. Do you find yourself wringing your hands about the biology of Jesus' birth? Or can you open your heart and your imagination to the possibilities of what it means 
to confess that one can be so infused with the Spirit that you can birth sacredness into the world. Now, Wilbur also talks about waking up. Now, Wilbur is well-grounded in many traditions, but he speaks uh, a lot about Eastern traditions, and so the word enlightenment fits well here. Waking up is about being enlightened, about being conscious of a greater reality or maybe being aware of a greater consciousness that sees things differently, recognizes what the untrained or maybe overtrained eyes, heart, and mind can't see. And remember, one of the early names for Jesus, one of the ways he's referred to in some cultures is as the enlightened one. And this makes sense because Jesus clearly sees things differently than we are trained to see them. That's why he's so surprising. He eats with the wrong people. He teaches us confounding things like to forgive our enemies and to love them and pray for them. He wants to distribute things freely, not hoard them and protect them with force. He doesn't make sense to those who haven't seen the light. He's the enlightened one. And what's the imagery of 1 Thessalonians, a, a book that is in our scriptures? But you, beloved, are not in darkness. You are all children of light and children of the day. Let us not fall asleep. Wake up is the command, is the invitation of the great mystic Paul. Wake up. Don't go through the world asleep. Don't be drunk. This is not a temperance sermon. He's warning against having a, null, a numb mind and a dull soul. Wake up. See with clarity. Have an awareness of newfound sharpness. And let that be your protection. Not the weapons of this world that only serve to blunt and destroy. Wake. Okay, so now you've heard enough of this that you want more. You want some of this. Well, how do you proceed? You're here to be on a journey. Well, the first thing to know is that if you truly want a deeper faith that speaks to some of the things Wilbur teaches us, your desire alone can be your guide. There's no magic formula. If you trust the curiosity of your desirous soul, and you're committed, you'll get there. And there is the journey. But a few possibilities, I've made some notes here, that might get you a little bit farther along the way. First, on growing up. Go back to school. Pick up where you left off. Maybe that was high school, metaphorically. Maybe it was kindergarten. There's no shame. We're all beginners in some form or another at some point or another. Build a curriculum. Read the scriptures, but don't just flip through the book. It will leave you confused, bored perhaps, and maybe dispirited. Study it. Go to Torah study with the rabbis. Come to. We've had a Bible study for the last two years here on the Gospel of Mark, and we're still not finished. Get a good, solid set of commentaries to help unpack these 
vessels of sacred wisdom. Read theology, good theology, on par with the highest philosophical thought of our time about what it means to exist as a disciple of Jesus Christ in this world. If you need recommendations, come and ask. You don't need to be ashamed. We have a spiritual life group that's offered wonderful book studies throughout the pandemic. Jump in on one of those. Other groups in the church have formed their own book groups. You don't have to be a reader. You can listen to books. You can uh, subscribe to any number of podcasts of really significant, mature religious thought. Go to lectures online, TED Talks, on and on. Fill your mind. Seek out the best of the ancient wisdom and the wisdom of today. Do your therapeutic work, too. That bleeds over, I know, into cleaning up. But it's important because so many people have blockages from the immature stages of their faith that they can't get over, that they're unable to progress spiritually. So do your therapeutic work on waking up. Wilbur says, remember, this is accomplished through spiritual practice, so you have to engage in spiritual practice. Think of how many hours you put into your chosen field, paid or unpaid. The hours you spend exercising or taking care of your physical health. How would we expect our spiritual selves to grow and evolve and strengthen and be refined without similar attention, without similar time and commitment? Luther once said something to the effect of, he had so much to do that he had to make sure he prayed three hours a day. Now, I hesitate to say that, lest you think it's too high a bar. But my point is, you have to be com as committed to your spiritual practices as your other practices if you expect to get anything out of them. Simply make it a priority. When our kids say to us, oh, we, yeah, we don't want to go to school, we don't turn and say to them, oh, that's a fight I don't want to have. Right, you can stay home. No, we insist they go because it's essential. Well, what is essential to you? If you choose it to be, you will grow. Develop a regular prayer practice. It doesn't matter what it is as much as it does that it is. You don't have to search for the perfect, perfect formula. Search for the regularity and the discipline. Join a group. The accountability and camaraderie of others is a wonderful thing. Get a spiritual director. I'm almost to the point of saying everyone should have one. It's just a guide that walks with you in your spiritual life and, and helps you delve into this in a meaningful way. I'm happy to introduce you to some or to talk to you about what that's like. Look, there are lots of points of entry for deeper faith. It might be with some of the other things that Wilbur talked about. It might be, uh, for example, in cleaning up and doing some of that therapeutic work, your soul becomes open and all of a sudden you're able to absorb uh, more in the world. It might be in showing up, in serving the world. Many of us, uh, many of you are wonderful servants in the community. My only caution about that is sometimes even our, our service work becomes distraction because we actually don't wanna do the deeper reflection that's required to really grow in awareness. We actually keep busy so we don't have to get busy with communion 
in communion in the world and what it means to be a creature of God in this moment. But it too can be an entry point. Whatever your point of entry is, I will tell you that if you take the spiritual path in life and community seriously, you too can be like the young Jesus and learn to use your power for healing and restoration in the world. You too can hold what seemed like dead earth in your hands in one moment and in the next clap and watch new life take flight. Amen. Our Sunday schedule is changing very soon, so I wanted to take this announcement time to let you know about what's coming up. Next Sunday, November 22nd, you will still be able to see worship live on Facebook at 10 a.m. Worship will be coming to you from here in the sanctuary as some of the worship leaders gather to do a practice, a preparation run for when we are back doing in-person worship. But for you at home, online, next Sunday continues, 10 o'clock on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, the video will show up a little later on that day. Hopefully we'll have it up by noon. Then, the following Sunday, November 29th, that will be our first in-person indoor worship service in a very long time. We will have two services. One, at 9.15, that will be for adults only to especially protect, easy for me to say, some of our more sensitive populations. Our second service will be at 10.30, that will be family friendly. You do need to register in advance. You can go to our website, right there on the homepage is the link to the Sign Up Genius, where you can register for either the 9.15 or the 10.30 service. If that doesn't work for you, just let me know. Send me an email, tell me which date or dates you would like to attend, which times, and I will get you signed up. But it is very important that you sign up in advance. Now, we realize that many of you are not yet comfortable coming to in-person indoor worship, which is absolutely fine. We will continue to stream our worship service online. It will be our 915 service that will be streamed live on Facebook. So get used to starting November 29th, tuning into Facebook just a little bit earlier at 915. And then if you're a YouTube watcher, we are going to put that video up on YouTube as soon after the service as possible, hopefully by 10.15 or 10.30 on every Sunday, the video will be on YouTube to be seen there. 
Lots of changes. We so appreciate your patience and your understanding as we figure this all out. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to be in touch. You know, give us a call, send us an email. Um, these, are, these are times that are still rather turbulent and we certainly wanna help you through in any way that we can. So reach out, be in touch. Will you please join us in our closing hymn in the bulb, There Is a Flower. In the bulb there is a flower, in the seed an apple tree, in the cocoons a hidden promise, butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter, there's a spring that waits to be, unreveal until the season, something God alone There's a song in every silence, seeking word and melody. There's a dawn in every darkness, bringing hope to you and me. From the past will come the future, what it holds a mystery. Unrevealed until the season, something God alone can see. In our time infinity, in our doubt there is believing, in our life eternity, in our death a resurrection, at the last a victory, unrevealed until this season, something God alone can see. Now, as you go from this place, may the love of God, who is our creator, Jesus Christ, our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, go with you now and always. Amen. Awake, my soul, and sing. Sing God's praise aloud. Sing God's praise aloud. Sing God's praise aloud. Wake my soul and sing. Sing God's praise aloud. Sing God's praise aloud. Wake my soul and sing. Sing God's praise aloud. Sing God's praise aloud. Aloud. Sing God's praise aloud. Awake my soul and sing. Sing God's praise aloud. Sing God's praise aloud.